Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell. Welcome into another Thursday episode. Our topic for today is actually going to be baby guns or air rifles. We have been out teaching a couple of different programs this week to some local homeschool students, and we taught them how to shoot. But most importantly, not just how to shoot, how to be safe with and around guns. We feel pretty convicted about teaching this because it may be the only time in some of these kids entire lives that they get taught how to be safe around firearms and we think that it's very important before we get started let's give thanks you know brian i'm really thankful for purpose honestly um having a passion for the outdoors and the skills that kind of go with it you know just like we're talking about bb guns today um Really just firearms in general, like just thankful that we have the purpose to share that information, that we have the opportunity to share the information, and then that parents want their kids to have that information. Like it feels really good because I don't know, today there's just a lot of different viewpoints and sometimes my viewpoints seem to not be the most popular. And so whenever you're teaching those things that um that we that especially that you and I feel are important, um, but they are purposeful, purposeful as well. It just means a lot. It feels good, and I'm just yeah thankful for that. Yeah, I'm thankful for the people that. It, honestly, a lot of people had to be willing uh, to allow this for us to teach it, and we live in a day and time where shooting. I mean, heck, even our our social media platforms, we struggle on there because we talk about shooting and firearms and guns, and, and they yep. don't want to hear about it, which to me, is a bigger issue than actually teaching about it. And we'll get into that some more. But I am thankful that there are people running schools, there are parents, and that there are properties that will allow people like us to come out and trust us enough to teach these shooting skills to these kids. Uh, I'm really thankful for that, and I hope that we get to do more of it in the future. Brian, this was such an awesome, awesome opportunity for us, first, first and foremost. But it didn't come easy. Like this wasn't actually the original thing we had planned. Um, you and I have taught how to shoot air rifles in the past. We actually had Daisy inflatables, really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, basically, you air these inflatables up yeah. and inflatable shooting range. With yeah, two lanes basically. It's really easy and a lot of fun. But there's not a lot of teaching that goes with it. It's hey, just come in and shoot. Right. Well, actually, there is some teaching. You taught. You did a really good job. But the point of the Daisy Inflatable was to get them in and out. Like, right. we, you know, we had lines and lines. Almost like in a, for an attraction or a fair or something. Yeah. They can come in and out of this thing. And, yeah. But some of the kids, they they get in line and they shoot over and over right. and over and over. Well, Brian, there are times where three hours, you went three hours straight without a break. Like, you had, you had kids in line for three hours to do this, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it wasn't... There wasn't that opportunity to to get down to the basics, you know, and it was really just keeping it safe for them to to freely shoot. Right. But we had the opportunity to, to actually teach kids. Yeah, we created a, a long, several hour long program to take and, and teach this long form. Right. And, you know, originally 
we had come up with some ideas of, of shooting. And, and honestly, a lot of the places that we try to go to, they don't allow projectiles. They, mm-hmm. they don't. And that's kind of been frustrating for us because we keep it so safe. It's, it's probably more safe than, well, it is more safe. It's how we run a lot of these programs are more safe than. It, it's safer than playing pickleball in gym class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it just kind of hurts when they're like, no, no projectiles. It's not safe. Um, so we take pride in keeping it safe and, and, um, and still allow these kids the opportunity to shoot. And that's what we did. We, we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go into, uh, oh, two different groups. We, we met on a Tuesday and a Thursday on our Tuesday group. We had, was it almost? Yeah. 37 kids, 37 kids. And then Thursday was 33, 33. And so we were just, well, I'm going to personally speak like, Man, I had such a blast, and what an opportunity it was to be able to really teach these kids the basics. Right, and this group of kids we've worked with in the past at this particular, it's actually a, a, a kind of a homeschool co-op. It's an outdoor school for homeschool kids to come to once a week, and it, it's a really cool place. It's on a beautiful property, and there's a partnership going on there, which is what we're finding out is what makes most things go. Um, but we've taught a lot of our programs to these kids, and, and so... At the break of the semester, we worked with their teacher and instructor. It was kind of like, hey, we need to come up with some new some new programming, something that these kids can ben- benefit from that is an outdoor skill that we haven't done yet. And so we threw some ideas out there. And honestly, shooting and, and firearm safety was liked, but there was that hesitation of, one, from us, man, that would be great. We have the supplies. We have the gear. But do we even offer that? Because it's shooting. And then once we got the nerve to to offer it, it was from their teacher was like, well, why don't you tell me more? And then we told them and it was like, okay, yeah, we believe in you to trust that. Then it was like, man, do I even offer this? Do we offer this? Is this something the parents would go for? And then she had the courage to offer it. And only a a few parents asked questions. We answered them as as honestly and open as, as possible as I think we're obligated to do. And... We got the program scheduled and put it out there, and more kids and more parents signed kids up for this program than any program that we've taught at this location before. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. You know, it was pretty cool. So so it came time for us to actually go out there and teach it this week, and, you know, we got out there on Tuesday, and we're familiar with the property, and we kind of blended our setup from our archery program that we teach at this property with setting up a BB gun range. And just to be frank... We don't have the money to spend on a inflatable Daisy BB gun range. They're really expensive. We don't have one. When we used them in the past, it was always someone else's. So we looked at what Daisy recommended and so, what some other people were doing. We kind of modeled what we set up in our basement upon Daisy's recommendations for, for shooting BB guns inside. And we set this up outdoors, making sure that it was safe with a safe backdrop. Really, you want to make sure that there's no ricochet and that nobody can get behind your shooting range. So we set up a really nice shooting range when we got there. Ben, how did we do that? How did we set that up safely? You know, the the two keys that you're talking about was not letting anybody go behind. So we set up parameters. We set up barriers to where, you know, nobody, not even if for some weird reason, some stranger started walking through the through the wilderness, yeah. like they didn't just come up on us, right? So really making sure that your boundaries are set to where you control all people coming in and out. And then second was is, is ensuring that your range, which 
in your range you have a target and behind your target is a backdrop. And Brian shared it was kind of similar to our archery. Um, so we actually used one of our archery nets, but we added a little more to it. We added a layer. So we actually took sheets and hung the sheets up behind that net. And so the barrier system was awesome. Like it worked perfectly. Um, the net itself was was blocking some of the BBs, but if it was able to get through the net, that's where the sheet truly came in and captured anything that would go through. But because it was on that paracord and it was able to flex and move, and, and even with the wind, um, there was just no ricochet. I mean, as soon as the BB hit the, the actual net, it fell right to the ground. It just deadened it completely. You know, something, this is actually Brian's idea in regards to how we set this target system up. Originally, we were going to use um, archery blocks, blocks that you would shoot your arrows at, but we realized that they had wood. Yeah, on, they on, were... on the top of the target and the bottom of the target, there is a piece of plywood that kind of smashes all the foam together yeah. in between it. And again, we were looking for how can we set this range up to have zero chance of ricochet? Like, can you be 100% sure that there's no ricochet? And so we were doing our best. And so we removed the blocks. We actually purchased more paracord. And we tied paracord to two anchor points, just like we did for our net. But we lowered that down to about three feet up off the ground. And then we were able to clip our targets, which we use paper targets. We were able to clip our paper targets to that paracord. And so the only, the only place that if a BB hit, it could maybe possibly somehow ricochet would be the tiny clothespin that we secured, the wooden clothespin. But at the end of the day, most of the time, if it was to hit the clothespin, it would go off of the wood. The wood was soft. It would fall to the ground and deaden. Um, it was perfect. I mean, every shot we took, it all deadened. It all hit the tarp. It all fell mm -hmm. down. Um, you yep. know, two two days, several rounds each day with over thirty kids and, and never one ricochet. Right now, because of a chance of ricochet anytime and always with using BB guns, all of our shooters always had on eye protection. Mm -hmm. So. Anytime they came into the range, they always had eye protection on. And that was even for us, even for the instructors that were there, the one-on-one -on -one instructor that we had with the, with each kid, even we had um, eye protection on. And that's just that added protection just in case for the off chance that it would ricochet. Right. But, you know, how we set that up then, so about 10 yards back from the net, that's actually where we placed where the shooters were going to shoot from. And how we did that was we, we brought in tables and – we brought in chairs and we actually had the shooter set in the chair. And the reason is because we were teaching the basics. So how to hold the gun. We didn't want them to try to stand up and do this all free handed. Um, also, we feel it's more safe and you have more control over the environment of that shooting line when they are setting down. That's They're not going to be turning left and right to look and talk to you. They are setting down elbows on the table that shooting range or they're, they're moving forward, they're leaning into that firearm, they're looking down that, that barrel through their sights to find their target. Right. Um, that worked really well for us. Um, and then lastly, in our range and our setup, um, we had cones in the very entrance of our range so that participants could line up there. We had them in different lines, um, really because of the different ages that yeah, we had. Based on age, yeah. And um, it worked really well for us. Yeah, we had like from four, five, six-year-olds all the way up to 15-year-olds. So we we spaced them out based on age and kind of shooting ability too. And, and it worked out well that way. 
I want to summarize how we had this backdrop set up. So our archery net is a it's a huge net. It's 30 feet long and 10 feet high, and it has grommets on top. And we run paracord through that, and then we tie it up between two trees. So it's it's hanging up, but it's nice and loose so that whatever hits it, it kind of takes the energy out of it. You don't want to hang an archery net tight. And then we took the sheets and we hung that on the hung those up on the back of this net, actually off of the net. But they need to be loose. Too. You kind of alluded to that, Ben. If you string these sheets and net really, really taut, then when an arrow or a BB hits them, it's going to go through them. But they need to be loose to absorb that energy, and the BBs will never, ever go through the sheet. So most people don't have an archery net, but most people do have sheets. Most people have old sheets, or you can go pick some up at Walmart for cheap. You can hang sheets up to create an archery, or a, excuse me, a BB gun range, but do know that if you take a thousand foot per second pellet gun to it, it's going to go through it. But a 350 foot per second Red Rider, perfect. Yeah. And you need to know how many feet per second, whatever firearm you have is that you're shooting. You know, we were, we knew our firearms, we were using Daisy BB guns. I think we had two bucks. Yeah. Daisy and, uh, Red Riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so we had actually in that, in that um, spec, you had we had two smaller guns and one a little the a little bit of a longer barrel, but they still shot the same foot per second. Well, what was nice about that is because we had all the different ages, we let the older kids use the the larger the gun, larger frame, yeah, the larger frame um, BB gun. So, also Brian was talking about like different ages and and what was really nice is that that smaller gun, a lot of the kids could still pull the trigger back. But something that we learned through experience is that some of these little kids, these five, six-year-olds, honestly, after they pushed in their safety and, and was ready to fire down range, they would have to use two fingers, their index finger and middle finger, sometimes at the same time to pull that trigger. And I thought that was actually really cool because it it really showed them of like, hey, this is the correct way. We, shot, we taught them how to use only one finger but in the instance in this, they had to adapt, and they mm-hmm. were able to still do that. They still hit the target. Some of them even won in the competitions of shooting the pop can, the little challenge we had at the end. But two fingers still work. So that's a tip for you. If you're teaching your children how to shoot BB guns you know, at a really young age, let them use two fingers. There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my son's four, and he still has to use two fingers. One, even the small frame gun, with their hands being so little, it's hard for them to actually put their hand around the whole thing. So you may even have to help them hold it. But Ben, I this isn't really where I plan to go with this podcast, and it's not usually how we talk about our programming, but I'm kind of feeling right now in this moment, kind of like a little day in the life moment. Let's walk through a program day. What exactly does it look like for us? You know, we of course, have the curriculum planned. We have all of our gear prepped. We usually make sure that it's all packed and ready the day before. And then that morning of, we can load it all in the truck and go. And we always usually show up at least an hour early that we have time to set up. If we haven't been to the area or don't know the area well, usually if it's a new place, we go out days before and do some scouting. But we get there an hour early. We need time to set up. We don't want to be rushed. We always want to make sure we're doing things right. So for this program, we showed up about an hour early. We kind of had a little bit of a haul from where we could park to where we were setting up our range. So we brought my kid's wagon and we loaded up our, our tables and our chairs. And we have to have a ladder to get the rope up or the paracord up in the tree to hang our net. Uh, we just take all this gear down in, in the wagon. It's just a kid's plastic wagon, but it's a, it makes a good use for us to get this gear down there. We get the range all set to 
where we think it's safe and it looks good. We don't want it to look trashy. We get it safe to where it looks good. And then we go up to the pavilion or their outdoor classroom and we meet the class. Once we do that, what's it really look like? How do we get started with this group of kids that they've been running around? They've got their morning energy going. It's beautiful outside. How do we get them tuned in to what we're going to do so that everybody is safe and ready to go? You know, that's what's interesting like, and really fun for me is to to kind of get that group, whoever it is, whatever age, whoever it is, to get that group like ready and prepared to go in and do whatever it is that yeah. we're, we're going to do. Most importantly, we don't just show up and say, hey, our BB gun's ready. Come on down, guys. Let's shoot. No, that wouldn't. You could do that. You could. That would not be my definition of successful in a day. Like, you would have a lot of problems, um, you know. I guess the same would go. You don't just show up to McDonald's and you can drive whatever way you want to to pick up whatever food you want to. Like there is a process to it that works. And that is what we pride ourselves in is is really getting there and really getting that group ready and preparing them for what is about to happen. You know, there's a lot of emotions that people go through any for any activity that you're going to do. We had children of different ages, and they have just, if not bigger emotions than even adults do, you could tell the kids that were nervous about shooting, and you could tell the kids that were so excited, there were overly excited. There were some that had tears before they were ever within 200 yards of the shooting range. And so we have to prepare them. We, we want to ensure that they, first off, know exactly what it is that we're doing, that there's no secrets. It's it's just all open. Yeah. It's all, all They known. know the plan of what's going to happen over the next two hours. They know the, the plan. And then that they can also trust us enough to listen to what we have to say so that they are safe when they're mm-hmm. doing it as well. And so we usually play some sort of, well, I call it a game, but it's not. We usually do an activity that... They think it's a game. They think it's a game. And, yeah. and, and honestly, it is. We are playing games, but I'm using it for a purpose. I'm usually... Honestly, I'm using it to see who's truly paying attention, who is it that I can trust, who are the ones that aren't showing that they're trustworthy, that I need to ensure that they know that they have to be trustworthy before they can do some of these activities. Because it only takes one person to do something stupid. Yeah, especially when you're teaching a program like shooting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we played a fun game. Um, we, what we talked through about that game was uh, chaos. This was kind of a game that that chaos started happening where people weren't paying attention and yeah. and objects like it was a ball. We were throwing a ball around and and people weren't paying attention. And that was the whole point is really helping them to center in that moment to realize, listen, when we get down here, there may be a lot of things happening, but we still need you to be focused. We need you to be present. We need you to be respectful and safe. And that's what we really process through and work through. And I was just wanting to ensure that every person that was going to go down there with me knew my rules, knew what I expected, because I am going to hold them accountable to whatever those expectations are so that our day is safe and fun. Yeah, and once Ben has has laid down the expectations and, and got a feel for the group and then taught a lesson to the group through a game, they're warmed up, they're relaxing because they are having fun, but at the same time, they're learning and they're understanding that we are going to be holding them accountable. They're understanding that when they don't listen, we're going to point out and say, hey, do you know why you didn't throw the ball to the right person? Because you didn't listen 
to me when I said, you need to remember the name of the person that mm-hmm. you threw the ball to. Mm-hmm. And so we can start to make them aware that we're aware. And it really changes the group dynamic. Just in a matter of the first 15 or min- fifteen to 20 minutes of being with a group doing these things, you can see the group start to change. You really can. Circles, that's another thing that we find really important. Uh, we do all of this in a circle. We, we teach in a circle. We give expectations in a circle. We play the games in a circle. And why is that important to you, Ben? Oh, it's, you know, honestly, the King Arthur and his round table is where that idea kind of comes from, this concept of that everyone's equal at the table. There isn't no high leader. We all have a voice at the table and, and can be heard. That's, if you're going to get into experiential learning, that's kind of the idea behind it. For me personally, it's because I can truly see everybody and everybody can see me. It's it's a perfect circle. So, you know, when I tell, when I ask everybody to circle up, boy, is it hard to get into a circle a lot of the times. Um, but once we get there, you know, everybody can see each other. Um, On Thursday, they were in a circle waiting for us. You know what they were? I was really proud of that group. They knew we had been there enough and we've been doing that enough that they knew Mr. Ben and Mr. Brian were going to have them get in a circle. And there they were ready for that circle. And that just shows, honestly, that just how awesome the teachers are there, that they're excited, they're willing, and, and they're ready to, to go do what it is that day. So, But, Brian, after so after I, you know, finished up, um, really just kind of checking in with that group, kind of looking at behavior, just feeling how the group's feeling, and then kind of really talking about the expectations, that's when I usually turn it over to Brian. And Brian really gets into to teaching getting down to what the theme or activity is and, and really starting to teach that actual skill to these kids. So what was it? What, was, what did you start breaking down for these kids? Yeah, so I had brought up with me from the range. I brought one of the BB guns up with me, and I sat down in the circle. You had had them up, and I, you know, let's crisscross applesauce. Everybody sits. Everybody does the same thing. Some people don't get to sand, and some sit. We all sat down. I sat with them in the circle, crisscross applesauce, and... What I really want them to understand is, one, we're excited to be there. We want to be here. I am so excited to see them. It's been a couple months over the winter break. I want them to understand we're happy to be there, so smiling. And then I'm going to tell them what we're about to do and reiterate again after we do this what we're doing after. And then I like to tell them we really built into this program just a little piece of responsibility that they had to carry on them themselves, and I told them that that was coming. Um, just kind of, again, brings them in. They are paying attention to what is coming out of my mouth, the things I'm saying, doing. They are tuned in. But what I wanted to do here was go over the equipment. I had the BB gun. I had it there with me. And I wanted them to understand, you are about to use this, but you're not going to use it unless you know what all the parts are and what they do. So I literally started at one end and I went through every part of it and what it does all the way down to the other end. And once they had an understanding of that, then... I took a marker board and I tried in my best artist skills to draw a rear sight and a front sight, iron sights on a Red Rider BB gun and tried to explain to them, because we've taught this in the past and we know from experience this is the hardest thing teaching these kids to shoot is what their sight picture is supposed to look like. How to line up the front pin on that BB gun with the gap in the rear sight. And so we kind of drew it out on a larger form on the marker board and went over two ways that aren't correct and showed them a way that was. And then allow them to ask any questions. And there were. There were some good questions. What we do find is so many of them are so excited. They're so excited we're there. They're so excited about the activities. They want to tell us 
some of their experiences mm-hmm. about the times that they've shot or the hunting experiences with their grandpa. And it, we want to hear them and I wish they could all share, but if you let one and then the other kids like, Oh, Tommy shared, I'm going to share. And it just turns into really distraction. So what we tell them is, look, we love hunting and fishing and we love telling stories. As a matter of fact, we have a podcast. That's what we do all the time. We want to hear yours too, but we got to save it for after. So unless you have a question, we're going to save your story and we will stay as long as we need to after and listen to your story. So we kind of push through a couple questions real quick and then we had to hand out some targets. Well, actually, here's an example. So, you know, while we're trying to teach and facilitate and, and really set the expectations and holding them to that, you got kids wanting to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Here's one of them. I'm going to tell you one of them right now. This is the story that actually I we asked the kid to wait to tell until the very end. And he waited over two hours. He waited the entire program yep. to tell us this story. And remember, we're talking about firearms. We're talking about BB guns. Hunting. We talked a little bit about hunting. But he came up and he wanted to tell me a story about a time that him and his dad went duck hunting. Now, there were some other people in the story. I didn't catch who they all were. But how old is this young man? Was he six? Yeah, I think he was I, six. I think, I think yeah. I'm gonna say around six. Yeah, he's he seemed a little younger than my son. My son's seven, so I'm gonna go about six years old. And he was so excited to tell me the story. Now the story goes that him and his dad went duck hunting. Now they saw a duck and they shot and they missed. Then they saw another duck and they shot and they hit they hit its wing. He clipped it, but they couldn't find it. <laughs> Then they saw another duck that they couldn't shoot. Too far away. It was too far away. Well, by this time I said, well, hey, did, were you able to get a duck? He said, nope, we didn't kill any ducks. But we saw a lot of ducks. And he was done. That was his story to me. Right. It took, I don't know, maybe three minutes or so. Uh-huh. But he felt so good about sharing that story. And the, my takeaway is he didn't kill one. They shot but didn't harvest an animal. But he was telling a story from an experience that he had with his dad. And it made a memory. And it made a memory. And that's what we've been talking about. That's what almost all of our podcasts are talking about is get out there with your kids. Get outdoors to make those memories. And those kids are going to want to share it with other people. Right. <laughs> we hear we have to tell kids to hold your stories till the end because a lot of times we ask questions. We're looking for answers to those questions, but kids are already just ready to tell stories. They uh-huh. just They're so excited. And so... That is something that Brian actually uh, kind of started not too long ago. Of, hey, wait, and you can tell us the stories at the very end. And that's been really working for us. That's something that I've used to never do. I used it, to. It's worked out great for me because you're the nice guy. So they always come tell you. <laughs> so I, 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 I was going to say, I have to hear the stories. I get to hear their stories at the end. But I set you up for that one for but, sure. No, that's good. No, if they came to me and wanted to tell me, I would definitely listen. But yes, you would. It does. It, be, it becomes a distraction. So once these kids understood all the parts of the BB gun. I'm going to go over the trigger and the muzzle and the barrel. And I think it is so important that they know what they are and what they do so that when they are around firearms, they, they have an understanding. I think understanding leads to safety. It re- leads to respect. So I think it's so important that they actually know the parts and what they do. But then I mentioned a piece of responsibility that we wanted each student to have. So we actually gave them their target for the day, mm-hmm. which was a, a, a Daisy BB gun target. We gave them their target. And we gave them the expectation that, one, we gave them ownership. That's yours. That is yours. You are going to shoot it. You're going to shoot it a bunch today. And when you're done, you get to take that home and show your mom and dad. Uh-huh. 
You get to put your name on it. You can write some of these safety rules on it. It's yours. But if you don't have it when you come up to our shooting range, when it is your turn to shoot and you're coming up to line, if you don't have it, you don't get to shoot today. And that seems kind of harsh. And some people may say, oh, man, I don't know if my kid could do that. I'm here to tell you, don't count your kid out. They can. As a matter of fact, the first day that we did it, the teacher expressed doubt. She actually said, man, there are some kids here. They may not. There's going to be a few people upset when they don't get to shoot. And I thought, man, no. I actually said, no, I believe in these kids. They can do it. We did this both days, and every single kid not only kept their target and got to shoot, but when they were done, they all still had their targets because now they're proud of it. But just giving them that sense of responsibility and ownership, it seems small. It's a pennies on the dollar piece of paper, but there's some power there. Yeah, there is. You know, you also brought up and the saying that we've heard many many times is curiosity killed the cat Mm -hmm. but teaching these kids about guns what guns are how they can be safe how they are safe how to follow the rules really starts with ownership first and that's what brian's talking about if if you have ownership in whatever it is then that's the first step. That's the first thing. Like these kids were bought into what they were going to do. They could trust us. They had expectations before them that they were going to have to follow, which that goes into ownership as well and mm-hmm. responsibility. And then we get into where we can kill this curiosity that we're letting kids actually touch the guns, learn all about the guns, and eventually shoot the guns. You know, I find that that's a problem in a lot of homes is like guns are a secret. It's like, it's a thing right. you don't talk about or, or we don't touch, you know. And and matter of fact, a question that I asked the group was, I think I said it this way. I looked at everybody and I said, guns are? And they said? They all yelled out, bad! bad. <laughs> and that that was kind of my, my moment of, oh my gosh. I'm like, glad I'm here. I'm glad we're, we're going to walk through and talk through this today because, you know, something that, that I have have taught my kids is that, if you see a gun, you shouldn't panic. It's just an object laying there on the table. Number two is, it is a gun. So there are some things that I want you to do before you ever touch it. But what I have done is is I have allowed them to see what guns I have, the guns I own. I even let them hold them. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're loaded? No. <laughs> They're not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them hold them, and that's when I'm going to begin really setting my expectations. I'm going to be talking about the safety of owning a gun and even holding on to a gun. You know, It's so important that we kill that curiosity because I have found myself, when, when I think somebody's hiding something from me, that just makes me want to go try to figure it out or, or, right. or go do it. You know, So honestly, given that, that ownership that we did in the beginning – Gave them some responsibility, and then really that next phase was, for me, was let's kill that curiosity, and, and then let's let them have some fun and, and use it. Absolutely. So what, once they had their targets, that's exactly what we did. We hiked them down in, in a line to our range. It was kind of down in the valley, and everything was already set up, ready to go. And there was still a little more teaching to do, but we like to kind of break it up sometimes with some movement. It seems to help them stay hooked almost like... If they have an hour's worth of learning at that 30-minute mark, if we can divide it and move and go finish our 30 minutes somewhere else, it doesn't make them feel like they've had to sit and listen for an hour. It just kind of breaks it up, breaks up the, the uh, monotony, monotony of it, I would say.
But once we got down to our range, they understand. They see what we're about to do. Now it's time to talk safety. Mm -hmm. And if they can't master and understand that, then they don't get to come in. So we really just start with, look, we we love you guys. And if there's anything you leave with here today, take these safety things. If you never shoot again, if you're terrible at shooting, all that's okay. But take these safety rules with you so that you and everybody you're around is always safe for the rest of your life with guns. There are a lot of gun safety rules. There are. The lists vary. They're all kind of similar depending on what organization you go through. But because these kids are young, and I want to make it simple for them, we've broken it down to three. We give them three, and we tell them because we believe it. If they can do these three things, that they will always be safe around firearms. The first rule that we give them is to never, ever touch a firearm without their parent or guardian's permission. Never. There's no circumstance that they should ever touch it because, again, a gun laying on a table or leaning in the corner if it's left untouched, it can't do anything. It can do nothing. It is just an inanimate object sitting there. So as long as it's not touched, you're good. So they should always, 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 always ask permission. Now, we didn't add what I'm about to say in this program, but I'm adding it right now for you, the listener. If your child asks you, then you better educate and teach them on it. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to come up and say, hey, dad, hey, mom, I've seen this, then go explore with them. Go talk to them about it. Like Engage with them about it because... We are teaching them to ask you first. Right. <laughs> so if you're going to be like... Don't brush it off. Yeah, don't brush it off. It's This is a moment for you to educate and to honestly relate and, and share truth with your child. Absolutely. Then the next rule that we teach them is to treat every single gun like it's loaded. Now, these are smart kids. They're not dumb. They know that not every gun is loaded and that some are loaded. But if we approach every gun like it's loaded, then we're always going to be safe. If we always have the mindset that that gun could go off and kill somebody while I'm handling it, then we are going to always have the appropriate amount of respect and caution with that firearm. So that's the second rule that we ask them to live up to. Third and the last one is once they have this firearm in their hand, they're treating it like it's loaded, the muzzle, the end of the gun where the bullet, the projectile comes out, is to always in every circumstance, be pointed in a safe direction. We tell them that today that is either at our target, and then we go over that at the ground or at the sky or some of our other options, and then we talk through what are the benefits of each of those options because one may be better than the other. Um, we kind of make jokes but seriousness and say, you know, the sky is great. It is pretty safe, but what comes, what goes up must come down, and they kind of get to process and think through some of those things. But we do make them review that over and over again. Then we kind of go through the crowd and make some of them give it back to us. Um, but we try to do it tactfully and, and not – I almost told a story I shouldn't have told uh, the second day with the group there. Um, to be honest, there was somebody that used to work for me that was cleaning a gun, and, and they were not following the second rule. They were not treating the gun like it was loaded. Um, and unfortunately, it was loaded and it went off, and that young man lost his life. And tragedy, tragedy like, like that does happen, but if we follow those three rules, it won't. Ben, something that you do such a great job of is before we ever put a gun in their hands, you provide them very good understanding of a weapon versus a tool, and not only that, but what makes something a weapon. And you usually do it with something really not threatening like a, a tiny stick or something. Can you kind of mm -hmm. explain yeah, that to the listeners? It's always fun to to get a group and to talk through, like, you know, 
we've already shared with you when I asked, you know, a gun is, everyone yells out bad. And that's what's so fun to engage the groups with because for some reason that's what they're being taught. And and I understand where that's coming from. You look at today when we talk about, we'll just say the one example of school shootings, sometimes the only thing people can say is bads are, you know, guns are bad, stay away. But when I have a group and we're doing this this style of teaching where we're really trying to educate on firearms, I'll find an object. I think one time I used a leaf. I think one time I used a piece of uh, mulch. Yeah. It was an oversized piece of mulch. And then um, one time I found a stick that actually a kids, the kids had been playing with that stick. And I thought this would be perfect. And so I picked this stick up off the ground that some of the kids were holding and playing with. Yeah, it was like a six-inch little twig. Yeah, yeah. Little, little twig. And, and I said... Is this a tool or a weapon, right? Now, some kids, I have to ask a little differently. I'll hold it up and I'll say, is this a tool? And I kind of just get the feedback. What are they saying? And then I'll hold it up and I'll say, is this a weapon? And what I found is that a lot of times how I'm saying it or how I'm holding whatever object it is will kind of clue those kids in. But majority of the time, the kids are actually calling whatever I'm holding up a weapon. And because I hold it up and I say, is this a tool? And they're kind of like, uh, and I'm like, is this a weapon? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah it's a weapon, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and then for the olders, I really try to make this point for them. And I say, well, then you're the ones I'm scared of. Because the ones that think this little stick in my hand is a weapon, because of their perspective of this object, they are the ones that's making a weapon, not me. Right, I am not threatening anyone with it, and I'm not trying to harm anyone with it. If they still don't get it, then we really start, try to break it down. I think that's when I grabbed a leaf for some of these kids, and I said, is this leaf a tool or a weapon? And my whole point is to get them to understand that it doesn't matter if it's a leaf. It doesn't matter if it's a pencil, a number two pencil. It doesn't matter if it's a Glock 9mm loaded laying on the table. The person that is using the instrument makes it either the tool or the weapon. And so today, nobody's going to turn these into weapons. They're only going to be tools. And we're going to use them as tools today as they were intended to be used. Yeah. And you do a really good job of keeping that serious but yet light. There, There's laughter while they teach that and the kids get to joke. But you do see, I'm not going to call it the mood, um, Almost the perspective change. So before before you do your weapon versus tool thing, you'll hear some of the the boys making the jokes when you ask, "What are we shooting today?" Oh, people, ha <laughs> ha, you know. Yeah, yeah, but when you go to this weapon versus tool thing, even though you do it so nicely, honestly, it's funny when you do it. Everybody even laughs that's watching. You don't hear that after that, right? Because they now understand, like, okay, if I'm saying that stuff. It's me. I'm it's the me. problem. Yeah. I'm the problem. It's not. It's not the BB gun. So, it is important that they understand that. And and we honestly, we're not going to put a BB gun in their hands in, until we teach that. Correct. And you know, and I finish strongly with, you know, we get in that serious mode. And I finish strongly with just basically saying, today you will you will respect this. And if you show at any time that you cannot be responsible or you can't respect this, then you just don't get to shoot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the last-minute wake-up call of like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, we've learned that it could be me, but it is time to be serious. It's time to, to go do this. And that's when we start heading yeah. down to go to go do. We've got them the rules. We've taught them what, what they're going to be using. We've shut them the range. We give them the parameters and say, look, you guys see this perimeter that we set up? You guys see the opening down there? 
that is the only way that you get to come in here and you don't come past those cones where their lines were unless one of us asks you to come past them. And if we ask you to come past that, you better have a pair of, of eye protection on. You better have eyeglasses on. Uh, if we ask you to come and you don't, then just say, hey, Mr. Brian or Mr. Ben, I don't have eyewear. We had the teachers there. They were really helping us do a great job of making sure these kids were prepared with their eyeglasses and making sure kids weren't running up that shouldn't be. But they were, these groups were awesome. Mm -hmm. They were awesome. They were ready. By the time they got in line, they were excited, but it was a, a corral, the controlled, there was respect and understanding, which is what you want. You wanted to be excited to, to do what you're doing. And so we started three at a time. We had three instructors, me, you, and, and Mr. Nate was helping us as well. We wanted it to be one-on-one -on -one with these kids because we knew that most of them had never done this in their life. And we asked them before each shot, and it's as simple as getting them set down, showing them how to hold it, showing them how to close their eye, asking them where they're going to hit on the target, reminding them how to aim, even showing them, hey, look, I taught you about the safety, but now here, look, you're going to use it. Push the button like this. You see the red? Okay, that that's fire. You can shoot just... It's so important to actually experience it. They can be taught about it over and over again. They can look at pictures and YouTube videos, but it comes nowhere close to them actually putting their hands on it and doing it. Even the ones that were scared, when it was over, they were just, they were thrilled, they were happy. You had some that had never done it before and they shot really, really well. It kind of broke our hearts. Some of them been, we really, really wanted to hit the target and they never did. And then you had others that was just like, they couldn't miss the target. I know, and... <sighs> I don't know if this is technically right or wrong, but I did it. And I did it because I didn't, man, these kids, it broke my heart. Like there was, was one little kid, he's five. He's like the littlest of the littles. And he tried his hardest to hit the target. And matter of fact, we actually got, for this group, we got to shoot an extra time more than the first group did. Mm -hmm. So he had like seven different shots to hit this target, right? And he didn't hit it at all. And so I actually ripped. I, I made a little rip in, in the edge of the target. And I oh, was like, you hit the edge of it. I was like, you hit the edge of that, buddy. Good job. Because he worked so hard, and I wanted him to, to get a reward for it. You know, like I wanted him to hit it, but it just didn't come together. And so just like any of those kids, there are a lot of kids that didn't hit the target. I mean, they, they tried and they didn't. And they kind of had to learn that in life <laughs> – <laughs> it isn't always going to to work in your favor, but that is the whole point of this is is really just learning the fundamentals of what is a gun, how does this thing work, and then what does my body need to do? You know, I had one one kid that I didn't realize that she was doing this, but she listened to everything that I asked her to do, but she was missing the target. And so me as an instructor, I'm like, what's happening? This looks so good. And I was able to adjust my head and I looked at hers. <laughs> she was shooting so we'll just say she's right eye dominant and she was shooting right-handed but she was closing her right eye and leaving her left eye open so shooting right-handed means that you should be leaving your right eye open so she had no sight whatsoever she was just free shooting but i didn't know that she couldn't close her other eye and that's when we had to make an adjustment you know and and again that's why it's so fun to especially be a one-on-one -on -one instructor because you can help some of those kids work through that but at the end of the day they have to do it on their own they have to hold it they have to figure out how they look down the site 
at the target to make that shot. They have to do that on their own. Yeah, we can only do so much for them. We can teach them how to do it, but we can't actually do that for them. Mm-hmm. I actually had two different students come up, tell me they were right-handed, try to shoot right-handed, and then look at me and say, you know what, I I feel like I need to use my other eye. Like they just felt we, we could, maybe in retrospect, add it's a short little eye dominance uh, test that each of them could do to help them understand that have never shot before what eye they need to shoot with. You really want to shoot whatever eye is dominant. You're you going to be you're able to see better that way. Um, so I had a couple of them actually switch from shooting right-handed to left-handed because they felt like that eye was more comfortable for them to look through, and they both shot better. And that was their takeaway from the end was, I didn't know I was left eye dominant. Mm-hmm. So they're actually learning more about themselves and their bodies and, and how they work just through a simple shooting program. You know, you talked about eye dominancy. There are programs that we have added in that where we actually sit down and it's, and it's part of an activity. And that's actually something you could add to, to your program too. If, if you're ever out or just teaching your kids, um, learning what your dominant eye is, is actually a fun way to do it. You do, Basically, you're just going to make a triangle with your hands. So take your two thumbs, put them together, and put your index fingers and put them together, and it makes a triangle. And you're going to just pick an object on the wall. It doesn't matter what the object is, but you're going to raise your your triangle up at that object, and you're going to look through your triangle at that object, and then you're going to slowly pull it back to your face. And what happens is, is your dominant eye usually kicks into that object, and when you're pulling your triangle back, it's going to come back to that dominant eye. So as you pull back triangle all the way back, if your dominant eye is on the right side, then it will actually come back to your right eye. Another way you can do that is just to put your index finger up, your pointer finger up, pick an object in the room in front of you and put your, with both eyes open, look over the top of your index finger and put it over the object. So if there's a, uh, a decoration on the wall, or let's say a light switch, put your finger over a light switch that you can see with both eyes open and then real slowly close each eye. Now whatever eye that you close, if the object, if the finger stays over the object, the eye that's open is your dominant eye. The eye that closed is obviously your non-dominant eye. So when you close one, your finger is going to look like it jumps off even though you don't move it. And when you close the other one, your finger is going to stay there. And that eye that's open is your dominant eye. I've got one more. (laughs) There's one more. And this one isn't as good as the first two we've taught you. But if you are looking at a group of people, if you're an instructor or you're about to teach this stuff and you want to just kind of quickly figure out who you think has right or left eye dominancy, when you're looking at someone, the eye that is most open is their dominant eye. And that's before you ever talk about that. If you start talking about eye dominancy and all this stuff, then people change their eyes and, and all that. What I'm saying is if Whoever you want to look at after listening to this podcast, the next person that you look at, look at them and you will actually see that one eye is a little bit more open than the other. More than likely, that is their dominant eye. And that's something that you could help. That's what we use with kids a lot of times as they approach. I kind of can see which one, even though I could be wrong, but it works for for most of the time. Yeah, it works pretty good. So we were able to get several of those kids changed over to, to shooting out of the right eye and it helped them. A lot. We gave each of these kids a couple rounds to go through and shoot. Each round gets faster because they have this understanding and, and comfortability that comes with it just in a few rounds. You see that. Again, I think another testament of why it's so important to get them out there, teaching them, having them put their hands on it and do it. But then we like to bring in competition. Yeah, I want to add a note here that that for anybody that might be wanting to go out and run one of these or do this, 
when people start getting comfortable in whatever activity is they're doing, especially shooting, as a facilitator, as the instructor, as the teacher, this is actually when you really start have to step up your game, stepping up your game and being aware. Because as people start getting comfortable with the firearms, this is when accidents can happen. Mm -hmm. This is when people can turn those those the muzzle to places that aren't safe. And so you have to ensure as that teacher, you're always 100% aware and engaged in what's happening so that you're controlling those things so that you can keep it safe for everybody involved. Yeah, they, they kind of start to let their guard down and, and think they're pros pretty quick. But that's up to us as the facilitators to uh, stop and, and give reminders and, and watch for those little things. There were a few times where kids started to turn, and I would kind of put my hand right there on, on their rifle where they were starting to turn and say, hey, remember, where's our muzzle? And they, they know the rule, oh, yeah, downrange is safe. I'm like, okay, there we go. And so just reinforcing those things with them. Once they got to go through a few rounds, Ben and I love to bring in competition. It rallies a group, gives them something fun to do. It's fun for everybody. And with competition, we got to give prizes, right? So we brought some prizes and the competition round, everybody got to go. They only got one shot. But with a Red Rider Daisy, you got to shoot a Coke can. <laughs> you do. You got to. You do. And we did. And we actually had three lines still. Uh, we put pop cans up instead of the pepper targets. And, you know, it is so neat to hear that BB hit that can. It just, it does, it takes me back to the day when I, when I had my very first BB gun and I was setting those cans up there along along the porch and shooting them all off. You know what I mean? Just hearing that tink, it's, it's such a good feeling. And that's actually what we use today to judge. So when we heard the, the aluminum can, the ping, then that allowed the kids to go to stage two. We basically let them shoot until the last person remained. Yeah. And, you know, we always had a, a winner for each age group because, man, we had so many different ages yeah. i mean that the yeah the age gap for this group was was really crazy i mean like we said from about five all the way up to i think it's 18 do we have one 18 yeah. year old i think in there so the competition side it takes everything they've learned and all those skills and brings it down to that one final shot and yet kids are nervous uh-huh i mean you had some kids that were nervous but they still they they did great um and yeah they got to take home some rewards yeah they got we Again, yeah, gave a prize to the winner of each round. Kind of a king of the hill thing. The last person standing that was still hitting the can got to pick out their prize, and they loved that. They uh, One of the prizes was they could pick a hat, and any of the winners that picked the hat, I mean, they took the hat off they were wearing and put that new hat right on. They did. Um, and to be honest, it was like a $5 hat. It was nothing <laughs> It was nothing outrageous, but yeah. it, they earned it. They won it, and I'm sure they were proud and got to talk about it uh, when they went home. You know, I think it was also... It was neat to see their faces when they just, when I'd hand them their target that they had just shot at, you know, maybe they hit it one time and and maybe they hit it twice. It didn't matter where they hit on the target, whether it was on the bullseye or way off in some corner, man, just to see their face. They were just so excited (laughs) that they hit it. They did not care if it was a bullseye or not. It was like, if it's anywhere on that paper, they were stoked and you could, you know, get to see the hole in the paper and it did. It made them so happy. This program, there was so many positives that came from it. They went really, really well. Everybody was safe. That was the most important thing. There was a lot of learning that went on. The weather was great. As a matter of fact, the uh, 70s, the first time we went out there, and then the second time it was in the 50s, and storms were supposed to be coming, but we showed up, set our gear up, taught, loaded it all up, 
and then the storms hit. So God really took care of us on that. He kept us dry and safe while we were out there. But I want to say this, something I really took from this. We live in a time where sheltering almost seems the default to protect our kids from all the bad that is going on around us. Bad things happen with guns. Bad things happen at school. There are a lot of things that some people openly talk about, and we just try to shelter our kids from that. At the end of the day, they are going to be around it, and they are going to hear it. And as parents, as guardians, as teachers, it is our responsibility to bring them truth. I want to be the ones, I want to be the one that my kids hear truth from. So I am, at a young age, I am teaching my kids about firearms, and I am creating programs and offering it to the public. People can hire me to come teach their kids about firearms. And some people may want to make me a martyr for that. They want to make they may want to make our company, me and mm-hmm. you, Ben, martyrs for that. But I'm here to tell you that I'm proud of it because I don't think I think sheltering is far more dangerous than actually some hands-on controlled experience. I think these kids having shot a gun will be far more safe around them for the rest of their lives than kids that have all this curiosity and wonder and lack of knowledge. Yeah, that's the biggest reason I have taught my kid. Uh, he was four. I think he was four. Or was it three? Yeah, well, yeah. we started shooting. It was three. Yeah. It was three, yeah. Uh, at three years of age, that's when I bought him a BB gun. And the whole reason that I started that young wasn't because I want him to be some awesome marksman on planet Earth. If he is the best shooter in the world, then great. I'd love that. That'd make me feel so good, a proud dad. You don't even care if he grows up to, I, to own guns. Exactly. If he, if, if he doesn't even want to own guns when he's older, fine. But I want to teach my children at the youngest age the physically possible because I want to kill all curiosity. I want them to know that guns are safe when used correctly, and that's why I do it. Yeah, and I think, again, there's something powerful in that understanding that of, you know what? If this gun harms somebody, it's it's me. Yeah, I'm I'm the problem here. If if I mess up with this or I use it with wrong intent, it's me. It's not the gun, and it they're going to be told the opposite of that many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So if you want them to know the truth and to live the truth, which I think is better, then it has to come from you. So I encourage you to do that today. Because you're listening to this, if you want to hire us to come teach this to uh, your family or a group of kids or organization, school, whatever it may be, and you can find a way for it to be allowed, please contact us. We'd love to do that for you. We have the gear. We're willing to travel. And more importantly, we really want this to be taught. We think that it will have a lasting impact and increase gun safety more so than just taking all the guns out of America. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, that isn't realistic. But teaching people how to do it properly is. And we are proud and ready to do that for you. We're so thankful that you listen to this podcast. If you want to support us, follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can email us at m2boutdoors.com if you have any questions or concerns. Whatever platform that you're listening on, please hit the automatic download button. Leave us a review on there as well, too. We can really be helped on those charts by people leaving us ratings and reviews. You know, it's a new year. Taxes are coming in. If you feel like you might want to support Meant to Be financially, it would do us a, a huge favor. And the best way to do that, um, we have a Linktree account on all of our social media platforms. So there's a link. Click on that and you can go to Patreon. And on Patreon, you can pledge to 
donate five, ten, or twenty-five dollars a month to Meant to Be Outdoors. If you get the twenty-five, you get one of our cool Meant to Be Outdoors hats, which is cool as well. And that is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new one for you. But as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.